0: All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the NOLCast. Bud, we are recording as you have gotten back from Nashville doing your duties for 247 at CBS Sports. Um, I'm recording from my office here, so the sound may be a little bit different. Video may be a little bit different, but uh, this is what the cast is. Excited to be able to get back, record again, and uh, we'll go over all that it is that we have here in the first, work of may, first week of May. To cover as always, Bud Louisiana Hot Sauce, Tarpon Sellers Winery, fantastic title sponsors of the NOLCast, TarponSellers coupon code NOLCast, twenty percent off, and uh, thank you to our friends in Napa Valley who allow us to uh, do recordings such as these. No doubt about it, man. Excited
1: to be back, and uh, you know, shout out Tarpon Sellers for all that they do. Uh, I a couple like new new items of, of business here. The, uh, the FAM UDN who jumped in the portal decided to return uh, to FAM. Uh, it, not really sure how much interest he got from FBS schools. Um, maybe he did get some, but I I, I think there's some people kind of wary about some FCS edge rushers after what happened with Marcus Cushney last year, you know. Um,
0: so anyway, I wanted to point that out. And I don't know, did, did you watch the NFL draft? I did. No, I mean not you know round one to to uh, to the end, but I'm, I'm certainly familiar with it. Yeah. Um, I one thing that
1: always interests me is all of the mock drafts that come out after mm. uh, the NFL draft, and a lot of them are are kind of bad to be as honest. A, uh, as a
0: content guy, you can appreciate where that's coming from. But yeah, yeah.
1: oh for sure. Um, you you got to capitalize on the uh, wait well, who's going to be in next year's draft? Or I didn't like my my team's draft this year, so I need to I need to think about next year's draft mm-hmm. already concerned um,
0: myself with who we're going to take with the third overall pick next year. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Are you, you Falcons fan? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not, but, uh, Oh you know. gosh. But one thing that kind of struck me, man was, um, and I think this helps to illustrate the difficulty, the actual difficulty of FSU's schedule, in my opinion, as opposed to just some of the names on the schedule. Um, so in different mock drafts, uh, I have seen, Nobody from LSU, as far as the first round quarterbacks, but I've seen Keishawn Boutte, they're they're an excellent receiver, quite a bit. I've also seen Jaquelin Roy, um, their defensive tackle uh, mocked in the first round at a couple spots. Um, but quarterbacks across the board here uh, on FSU schedule are really uh, being mocked very hot. Like it is possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible that you could play like four or five first round quarterbacks this year uh, so both richardson at florida and i'm a little skeptical of this not long term think long term he could be a first rounder i'm a little skeptical of this will actually happen in this current year because i think he has a long way to go uh but so did josh allen and josh allen now kills it in the pros uh van dyke at miami also being mocked in the first round dju is not at any place that i actually respect uh Devin Leary is being mocked in the first round. Mm-hmm. to think there, There's some other guys here that I was thinking about uh, as well, but I mean, you got uh, Sam Hartman, I think is somebody who will get some looks, but I don't think he's necessarily, um, you know, somebody who will be in the first round, but like, a, I think he's going to be a you know, a draft pick at quarterback uh, Malik Cunningham as well. Uh, I've seen in some of these three round mocks, but not in the first round. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of really good quarterback talent that you're, you're going to face and those qbs kind of kind of ripped you on last year
0: yeah. so um it's just a so. reminder of of the schedule and the strength of the conference next year which really is quarterbacks this is as good of a conference year of quarterbacks that i can remember uh this conference the ACC having one particularly when
1: oh well, and Dracovic.
0: yeah awesome right. i' college almost yeah. almost forgot yeah yeah so uh yeah, I mean, we'll obviously have time to break down individual games and uh, give you an idea as to some of the surrounding pieces that these quarterbacks have to work with. But yeah, it's just a reminder, you know, and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who covers for state media a couple days ago. And it's just, you know, you can you can have optimism and you can think that there's progress being made, but you also have to acknowledge what else is out there. And, you know, just a, as we talked about in the last podcast, you could win four. You could win nine, and yeah. you're going to have a legitimate possibility to land anywhere on the spectrum. And part of it's just because the, the conference is decent. You know, some of the teams aren't great, but quarterbacks are. And, uh, you know, seeing some of these mocks has certainly only served to reinforce that. Um, Vegas over-unders came out, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: when went, well, the for the U.S. books. that They're not really out on the offshores yet. FSU, seven in one spot with a little juice to the over. Seven and a half, I think, at Caesars it was with uh, some juice to the under. I I did consider playing that under seven and a half uh, with some juice to the under. Uh, I don't really like betting a whole lot of futures with my own money. I'd rather use credit accounts to do it because then I don't have to tie up my actual cash for you know the next eight months. Um, but um, both those numbers, the seven didn't shock me. Seven and a half surprised me a little bit, though, to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. that they would. I mean that's that's a win and a half clear of bowl game. Uh, I'm I'm not there yet, but yeah. we'll see. I don't know. Would how would you play that it would, if I said, hey, you can get seven and a half for you know plus one ten to the over, minus one thirty to the under. Would would you lay one hundred thirty to net net a hundred
0: for under seven and a half? Uh, I mean I wouldn't enjoy doing it, but yeah, that would probably be the that of which jumps out to me uh, as yeah. far as what Forest State's o's and u's were uh yeah i think my florida
1: was seven uh florida may have some problems like there there are scenarios in which florida is is fine and and wins a whole bunch of games this year i think but there are also uh, you know simulations here where florida specifically with the defensive tackle position just bottoms out mm-hmm. and they don't like they, don't, they only have one guy they actually trust there. Um, and they have issues. So seven was interesting. Miami was eight and a half and nine. Um, that seems high, but Miami's schedule is a cakewalk. They they, they get to play. I mean, I, I think the bottom half of the Coastal is probably as bad as we've seen it in quite a while. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Clemson was, I think Clemson's nine and a half or ten. NC State is nine i think wake is like eight or nine um louisville actually is five and a half i did take some of that um not a ton but just to the to the upside yeah 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 i think they will make a bowl Um, so anyway just some interesting kind of notes there around the sport of college football there's really not a ton going on with fsu right now Um, i want to harken back to i don't know three months ago when I started talking about Jakeem Jackson. I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, FSU finally offered Jakeem Jackson this week. Uh, They did so one day after Georgia and Bama offered him. Mm -hmm. I think they're making improvements on this staff, but that's not going to get it done. All right? I mean, you should know about that kid and offer him before Georgia and Bama do if you have any hope of getting back. Uh, He's in your backyard at Osceola. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, to those of y'all that aren't familiar, is kid out of Kissimmee. <laughs> uh, not somebody that you can come in after or Alabama and Georgia. And certainly, if there is any kind of post-offer bump, uh, you're kind of going to get lost in the wash of those two offering within 24 hours or earlier than uh, you in that 24-hour period. So, yeah, that one's a little bit of a mystery uh, to me. I know that is... Uh, you know, national rankings aren't quite what you guys have them as, but uh, you know, certainly hope that nobody inside Moore is looking at uh, national rankings when deciding when to offer a prospect. And yeah, that one made me uh, scratch my head a little bit.
1: I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm very confident in our rankings right now as a network. I I, I know we do like the post draft grades and stuff. I think over the next three or four years, you're going to see us widen the gap in terms of accuracy. With the one exception of maybe the 2021 year, because I feel like everybody was just flipping coins mm-hmm. somewhat with that year because it was COVID. You know, like you you didn't get to see, like, you didn't have these national camps. It was just, it was, it was very different. We actually, uh, we bumped Jakeem Jackson up to uh, the number 202 player in the whole country. Uh, but the composite still has, uh, um, there's some other networks that are just not quite as proactive at, at bumping kids and they yeah. don't have the same investment in staff size that 24 7 sports does so um but yeah I, I've seen him a bunch of times Ivans has seen him a bunch of times uh like one of the issues was he was a receiver who Ivans and I knew could play corner and we and we talked about it on podcasts and the recruiting show and whatnot uh but now I think more schools are realizing that he's a six you one know, guy who can play some corner mm-hmm. and can really run So anyway, we'll have to see, uh, see what happens there. Uh, Just the fact that FSU was, I think, late on this kid does not necessarily mean that they can't get him. Uh, Offers from Georgia and Bama are not always committable, obviously. So, you know, uh, we'll see. Yeah. What happens there? Got to get him on campus.
0: So, um, unless there's something else we wanted to talk about, I I guess the plan with today's show is to mainly devote it to listener questions. Had uh, a lot of questions come in over the last uh, couple days since we were able to post and uh, get that wonderful feedback that we're fortunate to be able to receive from our Patreon supporters, uh, patreon.com backslash NOLCast, if you ever have an interest in supporting this show further. But, uh, Bud, unless you've got... uh, Anything else that you want to touch on is kind of current business, we will slide over into the listener questions. Let's
1: do that. Yeah, I, I, hit me with them. I'm ready for some listener questions.
0: All right. So, Mason and Bo uh, kind of had similar questions, or Mason asked a question and Bo followed up with similar want for information. Uh, that is, that now that the portal has, de- has declined, no, now that the portal deadline has passed, what are the positions you expect Florida State to bolster? And are there any specific names? For us as a fan base to look out for
1: so i actually don't have a lot of specific names for you to look out for right now um, the portal deadline ultimately was a disappointment in terms of the quality of talent going in um, it's pretty clear at this point that most of the kids not all but most of the kids who jumped in post-spring are kids who were sort of pushed out or told hey like you're not going to play here uh, if you if you care about playing time go elsewhere Uh, so there's not a whole lot of talent in the portal right now Um, I still think you need to go get one offensive lineman or two just for bodies we don't know how Darius is going to progress from his injury Uh, you definitely need to get a receiver in my opinion I could be wrong I just um, we don't know how Winston Wright is going to progress from from his injury I think you could take a look at a corner or best available defensive player the one thing that we don't know uh, that could still happen, and this is why uh, you have to basically back channel this stuff, is who else will still jump in the portal from the grad transfer ranks? So this is an important mm. distinction. If you grad transfer, you're not guaranteed to be eligible this fall, but uh, like the, you just need a waiver. The waivers are not freely granted, but they are frequently granted. Basically, you need to say, hey, like the program I'm leaving does not have this graduate program that the new school I want to go to has. It's the old uh, Urban Meyer, uh, Ryan Smith, the corner that Florida got from Utah in like 2006 mm-hmm. uh, rule. So that that still applies. If you're not a grad transfer and you jump in the portal, you need like a hardship waiver, which is difficult to get. Um, I mean, there's some grounds for those, but it, it's almost always like. Uh, family member who's actually sick who's you know close to where you want to transfer to um you know any kind of like if you're being stalked i i I know a prominent player actually who got a waiver uh for that uh claiming that he was stalked uh so i mean claiming i don't know if he was or was not actually but Mm -hmm. um you know so any any kind of thing uh like that but for the most part the waiver process is going to be graduate stuff um And that's generally possible. So I would say if you are thinking that FSU is going to seriously upgrade its roster with the players who are currently in the portal, you are wrong. There's not much out there right now that really is going to help you, Um, especially on the offensive line. I mean, Bama just took a kid from Vanderbilt. Yeah. That kind of of says it all. As we talked
0: about last podcast. Yeah, it is wild. um,
1: I think there is a possibility that – the quality of graduate transfers who jump in in the next you know month or two after they actually graduate uh, could be a little bit better. And you know FSU has a couple spots to play with at this point. I think you are mostly acquiring depth, um, but it wouldn't shock me if you were able to get like one starter out of the portal. But I, I think this is kind of what you got. You know, mm-hmm. um, ultimately. FSU was pretty aggressive in the portal early on, and they may look smart for that because what what they were able to get early on is a higher. Even if I don't like some of the guys they took that much, um, I still think some of those dudes are better quality than what is out there and like that they would actually be able to get right now.
0: Yeah, as you said, I think the Bless Harris take has only aged better in time. Uh, they did a lot of good work up front and. You know, last year, you were able to wait and get a Dylan Gibbons kid at the end. And all that proves is that there is no real template for how to do this. I mean, you've got to evaluate where your strengths are, where you need to add, and if that add is something that you feel comfortable taking. Uh, and it's, you know, it's certainly a process that uh, we're all trying to get our hands around still. Exactly right. I mean, so, for instance, like,
1: Caden Lyles might not be any good. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you, you can, maybe he needs to learn the playbook or get faster or whatever that's possible but he might not be any good are we sure that that there's actually somebody better out there than kate lyle's in the portal right now because i'm i'm not really sure that there is that you can get and obviously the interest on all these kids has ratcheted up quite a bit you know if you waited and and and, and bide your time and then you jumped in the portal you can probably get a pretty fat NIL deal right now because there's a lot of schools out there who missed on guys early who have money to spend, mm-hmm. or, or not schools, but collectives rather. Yeah, of course. They'll um, be tweeting
0: at you shortly. Just <laughs> have a little patience. I love like that NCAA coming. thing last night. The, yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna
1: start enforcing these rules retroactively. And we're gonna do it retroactively. Yeah. retroactively. Like, I, I, I love Ross Dellinger. He's a really good reporter for SI, and I, I was I was getting the credit. It just cracked me up. I was on the plane tweeting, and I was like, hmm all right so on the one hand we have Colorado's AD hollering about this on the other hand the NCAA says it is woefully understaffed um it actually never implemented these rules these rules are probably illegal and almost certainly would be challenged in court under antitrust and, and a number of other theories uh and
0: you and also, we all know a courtroom is definitely the location that the NCAA wants to occupy right now. So
1: Apparently, they do
0: with, with this stuff. They, they
1: love going to court.
0: Uh, they, I mean, they, they lose,
1: but they like going. Um, and then also, the, the, I it's like, oh, the other factor here is they may not actually be in power by the time any of these sanctions would come down. Like, other than that, I mean, given they have head coaches on federal wiretaps arranging pay-for-play, mm-hmm. uh, they can't seem to uh, do anything with that. But, yeah, um, look, for, look for continued grad transfers. I think at will continue to pursue the JUCO market, you know, maybe for a DB, for some depth. Uh, but I think for right now, pretty much what you have is what you got.
0: Benjamin here gives us an interesting look into the future. He says it's five years now and Florida State football is back to being a perennial top five program and a national championship contender with equally bright future. How did we get here? How did we start competing with Bama, UGA, Clemson, et cetera, on the recruiting trail, but especially on the NIL front? What did Mike Norville do to get it right on and off the field?
1: Okay, it's an interesting question. So five years from now is, what, the 2027 season? Yes. Uh, back to being a perennial top five program and a national championship contender. I mean, I, I don't think this is super likely in five years. But it's possible, certainly. Like, it's it's Florida State. Um, and things can turn around quickly. Generally, I would say this to start. When things turn around quickly, it's you handling your business in-house and also getting lucky with your mm-hmm. opponents screwing up. There's only a certain amount of things that you actually control. You know what I mean? So I actually was talking to Matt Baker on the phone about this the other day, of uh, uh, the you know, Tampa, or St. Pete Times. And uh, he's writing a story about the the big three in the state of Florida and you know made the point like look the population of the state of florida was exploding in the early 80s when florida and florida state and miami all came up uh you know what else was happening in the 80s all the sec schools were knocking on each other like crazy for cheating mm-hmm. and constantly being put on probation and sanctions and getting tv banned. so you had you had pretty significantly less competition for a lot of these kids in the state of florida in the 80s than you do just, just do now
0: not to sound like a Old man, but let me give y'all a historical reference point. In nineteen ninety-three, Auburn was one of the best teams in the country, couldn't yes. appear on television because of it. I think uh didn't LSU have a one year TV band in the late eighties or something like that as well. I mean it wasn't in the nineties, Bama
1: had Albert Means. They yeah. also like kept trying to hire anybody who had ever known Bear Bryant.
0: Anybody in the family. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah. Um I, I don't mean to say that they need SEC to go on probation. What I'm saying is It's an example of handling your business in-house and also catching the right breaks from your competition. Uh, If you want to get back to top five, that's probably what you need. Um, okay. So I would say you need to make some incremental gains, uh, in terms of player development. And you need to, you need to catch some breaks on the field, man. You need to have some, you need to have some quarterbacks get hurt that you're playing against. Uh, you need to have one of these years turn into something, you know, like 9, 10 wins. And then you need to you'd be able to, like, take that and convert that into hype somehow. Uh, like, if they're a perennial top five program in 2027, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure Norvell is actually the guy that, that leads them there. We'll see. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of, like, excitement juice on the trail right now. As, as we've noted, they got screwed by circumstance mostly here. Um, and that's difficult. You, know, you you need to go and pull like the corner at IMG, who you seem to have a good relationship mm-hmm. with. You need to probably hit on quarterback uh, and then hit on him again. So you probably need to hit on, on like a Duffy Parson uh, in terms of just being able to get to maybe that eight, nine win range. And then you need to sign a guy that has like true superstar potential, which I'm not really sure those guys do. Uh, I mean, maybe they do, but I'm I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, on the NIL front, you need to continue to build up the collective experience, which is the small and medium donors. And you probably need some of your whale donors to continue and really like not care about about early return on investment necessarily, uh, and stay committed to that. But you also need to probably develop some more whale donors. And that is something that is largely out of your control, but you need somebody to come into a good, good amount of money. Yeah. right hey I, I I had this startup and boom right did John Ruiz have billions of dollars 10 years ago at Miami I don't think so mm-hmm. right but now he's a billionaire and now he's openly tweeting at players <laughs> like you yeah. know it it's a lot of stuff can change college football changes very fast quite often um I'm not super worried about the Nil front right now at all like I think you're controlling your controllables there I think they've been pretty damn competitive in that space, actually.
0: Um, I, I'm I uh, think Florida State's in a decent place to battle individual one-offs. Uh, correct. I' like, concerned about the payroll aspect of NIL, and that's going to be a challenge for Florida State for, and for many teams. Yeah. And by that, I mean I think Florida State could put together a good enough package to go try to get a four star, you know, borderline five star defensive end or something like that. But when the expectation arrives, and it's coming, if it's not already here, that basically every player on the roster is going to get 25, dollars dollars 45000 which you'll see it in SEC school pretty soon if you aren't already. Um, that's going to be a challenge. So, yeah, I mean, you basically stole my answer. Not that you stole it, but it's, no, it's, no. it's the answer. Well, we well, talk on the phone gonna, about this all the time. You're, you're <laughs> going to need a massive windfall. Somebody, as I've said, and as you just reiterated, Somebody's going to have to sell their cybersecurity company for four billion dollars or something like that, and they happen to be a massive Florida State fan. It's out there. Look, man, I, I'm blown away by how many bright, smart, uh, you know, professionally accomplished Florida State graduates there are, forty and under. You know, as I'm fond of saying, the Calvary's coming. Yeah, you're producing tons of graduates. Um, really, sharp and and more graduates in high-paying jobs. And right? exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're not. I love my mom. I love my aunt. They went to Florida State, they were teachers, okay? That's what a lot of the degrees were for a long, long time. Teachers, unfortunately, rarely get a chance to give you some kind of transformational monetary gift or something like that. So uh, I think the, the future's bright. You just gotta, as I say all the time, you gotta kind of bridge this 10 to 20 year gap and figure out how you can do it. Oh.
1: 100%. I, I, we're, we're in lockstep there. Um, I also would would... I would propose this. I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, who's been in the NFL. And I was like, you know, to be honest, I, I don't think you need to run a minimum salary for a lot of these guys. A lot of these dudes that come into you like, Hey, I don't get any of money. You tell them kick rocks. Seriously. Like the bottom half of your roster ain't worth very much. Mm-hmm. It's not like yeah. players 50 to 85. Unless they're like a developmental type kid that you want to keep around.
0: Or you're Georgia. But yeah.
1: Sure. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, if you have Georgia's level of talent where like people actually want your. And I bet you even like the top 20 players on Georgia couldn't go elsewhere to get Or the excuse me. I bet you the bottom 20 of Georgia's 885. I bet you they couldn't get NIL money elsewhere. Like I bet like Georgia still has misses on guys.
0: We'll agree to disagree on that one, but you know, it's no right. no use in stringing out the podcast, uh, arguing over whether or not Georgia's I guess it depends. 13 like, cornerbacks going to get money, uh,
1: like the upperclassmen. You know who are mm-hmm. still like that level or not? The young kids would would help, yeah, um, because they would still have that potential. You could bet on. I was thinking you're gonna have to be smart, obviously not pay for play, uh, right? But I, I want to bet on the upside of some of these. Like if you think you've got a three star that you, that you sign, I think you need to probably do what the Rays do and try to lock like lock him up at a rate that's more than he's worth currently, Mm -hmm. but that would be a steal uh, for what he's worth if he actually turns into something. Yeah, Hit him with the Ronald
0: Acuna contract. Uh, Correct.
1: Yeah. That's, yes, 100%. Um, The other thing I I would note here, have you seen that they're probably going to do away with with the 25 uh, cap? Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense given the transfer portal right now. Uh, It also does help you quite a bit if you have to make a coaching change, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm not anticipating happening anytime soon, but if you did have to do it, uh, that can help you flip a roster a
0: little bit faster. Um, so, No, sorry, go ahead. No, uh, if you had another point, make it. I was going to go to um, what we didn't to, sure to talk read all, about.
1: I read all of Ben's question.
0: I think we covered it. One thing you and I have never had to agree or to disagree on is working with the good people of Chad and Shannon. As dynamic a team as there is, I can't tell you, This is obviously they sponsor us and they're great uh, people to work with. But like, I can't tell you how many texts I received, like, dude, Shannon's seriously the best person I've ever worked with in any field ever. Uh, Shannon, he loves his job. He loves, he's as responsive an individual professionally as maybe anybody I've ever encountered. Uh, Just, there's a reason, look, this is one of the better sponsorship partnerships that's ever existed in at least this, type of podcasting we've been wildly fortunate and it's because of the level of skill and acumen uh that chad and Shannon bring and the level of service they bring you've worked with them twice uh there is no better partner for us and we're pretty confident in suggesting there could be no better partner for you uh, as you look for now refis aren't really conducive to today's market right now but whether it be a heloc or a new home purchase whatever it is give them a call Spend five minutes. I can promise you, you won't talk to better people. One hundred percent. I
1: I was talking talking to Shannon the other day. He's like, you know what, man, I like I've managed people. I just I don't want to manage people. I just want to do loans. Like I like I, I I like that kind of thrill to hunt when I get them the very best rate I can and I find a way to make it work, you know. And then get to call them and, and tell them and uh,
0: you know, it, it, he likes the chase. Yeah. Oh. That uh, you better enjoy chasing if you're in that industry. And uh, yeah, as I said, we could never partner with better people. So Hunter brings us the next question. Hunter says, this is more of a general college football question. Why do five and four-star recruits not spread out more to uh, evenly to more schools? Every year, the same five to eight schools get the majority of talent. For example, if, if I was a five-star quarterback, I could go to UGA, Ohio State, Bama, et cetera, and battle two other five stars older than me. Um and also have the knowledge that I'm going to have to consistently battle five-star players that are brought in in later classes. Or I could go to a down, but still prominent program like Florida State, where the competition and ease in getting starter reps is much more attractive. This translates to many questions. Understanding understand NIL is changing the equation, but a little more money now getting buried in the depth chart will cost you NFL money later. Your thoughts.
1: So, um, there's a couple. Uh, it's a really good question. This has actually come up a number of times, uh, and so I've had a lot of time to think about it. Uh, number one is that like, alphas want to play with alphas. They they want to go and they want to be around other really talented players. Number two, they want to compete against those guys. And for the most part, if you are good enough to be recruited by Nick Saban, you have almost always been the best player on your team. Youth, you know, your Pop Warner team, your middle school
0: team. On any field you step on. Yeah, you it's, are. It's almost hard for you to conceptualize being beat out by another player. Yeah. Unless you play for like Modern Day or IMG, you
1: have probably never actually had to compete for a position if you, if you get signed by Saban. Like, you're just that damn good. And so you are not going to accept the idea that you're not going to be the very, very best player on the field when you go there. Now, math, right? And the fact that everybody else that they sign is probably as good as you, that does get in the way once you get there. Uh, But these kids are always going to believe that they are going to be the dude when they step on campus in Tuscaloosa or wherever. So they don't really accept the whole, hey, uh, playing time there is tough angle. And if that's your only pitch to them, you may be getting a guy who's kind of a beta, right? Who doesn't believe himself quite. Maybe he doesn't really believe. That, that he is that dude. And you want your guys to believe you're that dude. Now you might be like, wait, that kind of sounds like you want the guy who's dumb. Kind of. <laughs> uh, not like dumb intelligence wise, but just dumb in terms of like, you know, roster evaluation. But naive
0: to the situation, perhaps. Yeah.
1: Um, the schools that you mentioned are also like some of the most competitive in terms of the money, as you mentioned. But now with the portal, if you go there and you don't end up starting, you can just be a bounce back. I think we saw a pretty good example of that that almost went down about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's generally why. And also the track record of those schools putting players into the NFL uh, is, is also pretty important.
0: Bobby brings us the next question an interesting one. Bobby says, can you talk about some of Florida State's history of playing in New Orleans? I know the 96 loss to the Gators and the 99 national title win are two that stand out. Can't wait for the game this year. Happy it's on Sunday, so I have all weekend to live in the hype and delusion that is Week One before it could all come crashing back down to reality. If we pull off the instant Bourbon Street, if we pull off the upset Bourbon Street, is sure to become an NSFW Miami instant reaction Ingram vibe. Yeah, yeah, no, at a Florida State beats LSU. That'll be a that'll be a fun time certainly. Uh, we've actually had somebody that's offered to send us an absurdly nice bottle of bourbon if that were to occur. So that's. Very nice and I'm always hesitant taking things off listeners, so I will send you something in return. Uh, I promise you. But yeah, no. Um, as far as playing in New Orleans, yeah. I mean, I guess um one game that you didn't mention there that was uh, one of my favorites is is it the 95 Sugar Bowl against Ohio State? Uh yes. You're basically playing with the idea that whoever wins this game is going to be your number one ranked team going into next season. It was two of the better rosters, two teams that weren't quite there. Uh, but yeah, no, the Sugar Bowl, you know, used to be a <laughs> relatively frequent stop for Florida state. There's the Georgia game where Anquan throws one of the best passes till to this day. I've ever seen that Tom and Gardner drops. Um, that's, that was a toughie against Georgia, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's always been a good place for Florida state back in the day, before Saban put walls up around the state, it used to have some fantastic recruiting benefits as well. Um, but yeah, Florida State has a rich history of playing out there, certainly.
1: Um, we also, you, you forgot one here. The fifth quarter in the French quarter. Yes. Do you guys yes, remember this? Absolutely. So if you're a younger listener, um, I, I'm i pretty sure my dad had this shirt. <laughs> right? I remember seeing this shirt, the, 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 the fifth quarter in a French quarter. So, 1994 season, right? Uh, 1995 Sugar Bowl, because it was played on January 2nd. Uh, FSU had the choke it dope, the, the, well, Florida choke it, but 31 31 tie in dope Campbell. And then they actually got the rematch, which normally you don't want to play a rematch in a bowl game, but after a 30 30, 31 31 thrilling tie, uh, you definitely do want to do that. So it was, uh, Pretty wild forested actually came out ahead in that one. 23 to 17. Knowles jumped out to a uh 23 to 10 lead. Florida um uh, Florida actually gave a pretty decent shot at coming back here. They they cut it to six points and then um they drove a little bit and then Derek Brooks said, i'm Derek Brooks just called game and picked off Warfel. And uh yeah, that I will say though, like you thought the game was over, and then you can find this on YouTube. The drive that Werfel leads to bring them to twenty three seventeen is infuriating. It's seventeen plays in eighty mm-hmm, yards, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then FSU can only run a minute ten off the clock and has to punt it back. It's like, um, yeah, imagine don't, don't like have don't don't give don't have a huge comeback like like Florida State had in Tallahassee, and then actually because of right. how the math would work out, like lose it. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't remember watching the Ohio State FSU, FSU one quite as much. I definitely remember watching the, the, the two FSU Gators ones.
0: Um, I had a big poster of that in my room growing up. Uh, Sean McCorkle, if that name rings a bell, is a yeah, like a white safety out of Dothan. Uh, was I think the first one through the banner or something like that. And I had that bought the picture from the bought a. Back in the day when you would buy things from a newspaper, I bought like a full-blown poster from the from the Democrat for that. That's what I had on my wall growing up. Well, I had a lot of things. I had a lot of Florida State and recruiting type things on my wall because I was a psychopath. Um, I had Marvin Jones mm-hmm.
1: and I had Daryl Bush.
0: Yeah. Um. I had the same two posters. I mean, the posters that are in my normal studio are what was on my wall growing up. Um, and nice. I used to cut out, I've told you this, bud, but I used to cut out, all the USA today, all Americans, it come out on December 26th, Cause it, during that time, like that and parade were c- like, kind of the two national lists you could get uh, without having to pay somebody for their you know newsletter or something like that. Although I wasn't above doing that either, but uh, yeah, enough conversation as to what my wall looked like as a 12 year old. We'll move on with the uh, <laughs> regular scheduled podcast here. Um Let's see here, but uh, I'll let you read off our next question.
1: All right. St. Pete Noel asks, with the recent NIL frenzy, uh, particularly the Jordan Addison case, college ball is heading down a road of free agency. For a struggling program like FSU, how do you think this will affect their roster composition going forward? For example, if Sam McCall has a standout freshman season, you could see a scenario where FSU has to get into a bidding war just to keep him. Uh, What kind of precedent is this going to set going forward when coaches spend months uh, to years recruiting a player and building relationships just to potentially lose him to the highest bidder? How will coaches currently at the below elite programs level ever be able to come and keep continuity on their roster and turn things around? In shoe case, if the big boys come and poach their standouts every off season, um, well, by signing them to contracts. This, uh, guys, this is where really? this is going. Yeah, like you're, you're, we're not going to have nil be the primary source of pay for play in perpetuity. Okay, the reason we have it now is because these schools who make up the NCAA, are really greedy and always have been, and they want to keep all the money to themselves. In fact, they used to try to screw the coaches. I tweeted this the other day. This is the 25th anniversary of coaches having to sue the NCAA in federal court because the NCAA put illegal salary caps on Mm -hmm. how much assistant coaches could make. This has always been going on. They used to try to screw the coaches. Now they try to screw the players. Now, I think what they realize here is that they probably screwed up by dragging their feet for the last 50 or so years and not passing any kind of rules on this at all, because they realized they would get sued. Eventually I suspect that we will have unionized players, collective bargaining. It'll probably be a fairly weak union, to be honest, because these guys are all time limited and they cannot possibly afford to hold out because they do want to make it right. to the NFL. Like they would never strike. So you would beat them pretty easily if we're, if we're being frank here, uh, and the programs would have to pay a little bit of money out to it. And they would also gain quite a bit of control, which I think is the main thing that's annoying a lot of these ADs right now. Is that in some cases, some of these ADs hate these collective guys, right? Like, I, I was talking to Matt Brown about this, and I'm not going to give you the school, but he's like, dude, like this AD at this major university absolutely hates their collective. Like, their mm-hmm. collectives those out a lot of money. He's like, yeah, but like the guys who run that collective are total balls And, the athletic department kind of thinks like oh my god what if they're grifters and and like can we actually trust these guys it bothers them that they're giving up a lot of control it would be weird if like some third-party company did all your payroll for the majority of your employees and also controlled stuff but that's kind of what we have right now because of the decisions schools made so i don't think that we're going to have nil as the primary source of player income by let's just use 2027 cuz that's what the previous questioner had. I also think like the whole relationships and all that kind of crap matters a lot less. It's just not as important if you if you aren't pretending that we can't pay these guys. Yeah. Right? Like my boss is Adam Stanko. I really like like him. Like a ton. I I I mean, not just trying to kiss ass here, but like if I got some kind of rainmaker offer somewhere else, I would still send him a Christmas card. He would understand. You know what I mean? Or CBS could pay up, and they—they they already did. But like, you know, what I'm saying, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get into this on the air. But like, it—the it, whole like, oh, they built relationships. And it's fine. It's just not that big of a deal. You don't—you don't hear about that like for MLB or NFL because they're not pretending like the players can't get paid. All right. So look, you know, having guys on deals early is the yeah. other thing we talked about. Sorry.
0: NIL is here, it's not going anywhere, whatever. I, I don't think it's ultimately going to trans, like, be that much of a transformational agent in the sport in the long run, at least for people's interest and stuff. What I do think has a chance to be catastrophic to college football is what I'll kind of loosely call roster integrity. If you can't, if it turns into like players here for a year, there for a year, there for another place for a year, I think this sport could die pretty quickly. I also think not that anybody asked me, Bud, but I think it would be catastrophic to your industry as well. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't celebrate signing day, because you know that, you know, if you're miss state and you know, that kid's going to be playing for Clemson in a year when they offer him, you know, two and a half times what you can, then I think recruiting's going to suffer a pretty significant uh, loss of interest. Um, so I think ultimately they'll figure this out. They've got to, money's here money's not going away you've just got to figure out a way to have some kind of again what i'll loosely call roster integrity and for the fan to have some degree of confidence that this wide receiver that they signed is still going to be on their roster in two years and and hopefully you know doing all the things that he saw in his high school uh, highlight film so 100%
1: agree um i also think that a a break off is coming Mm -hmm. like very clearly to me here like you had Gene Smith talk about this. You've now had uh Bowlesby for the Big 12 talk about this. Dennis Dodd talked a lot about this on the cover three episode from January. If you guys want to go back and watch, I do not think the NCAA is going to be running college football at the highest level very much longer. I'm not saying yeah, like they're, they're, I'm not
0: sure they are right now. I mean, it's well, it's, but yeah, I'm not sure right. anybody is, yeah. But I mean, but with I, the admin I, of the playoff, there, there's already yeah. been these you know, they they've been very careful to not let the NCAA have control as they do with the tournament, as they do football. And I think that's just the first step of further grabbing their bag and walking on down the road. And once we get this thing away from
1: like Louisiana Monroe doesn't get to vote on the same issues that LSU does, right? Mm -hmm. Once the college football playoff is running college football, uh, I think that they will just be much more brazen about, okay, guess what? You guys get your stuff together, unionize, come bargain with us. Boom salary cap, actual contracts. Because I totally agree with you. The idea that players are getting paid is not going to turn off most fans. We saw this in the 90s with these coaches, and Bowden was one of the first that they're like a million dollars. The, the, which, okay, you know, that's a fair response. Uh, but people didn't turn off their TVs, they, they kept watching. Um, this I, I do agree that having. Some level of roster certainty uh, is important. Like, I would probably not be a Rays fan if we only got to have decent players for one year. Like, mm-hmm. I realize they're going to lose, they're going to lose Wander Franco eventually. Yeah, probably after like seven years. But if it's just one year, that really is an annoying factor that I think could actually drive people away from the sport.
0: Yeah. There's also an interesting comparison to European soccer here, and I'll just yes. make it real quickly. And I, I trust me, I I may have a Rangers scarf over my shoulder, and I may be a little hungover this morning from celebrating them making a European final last night. Congrats. I I am selective in how much soccer I drop on y'all, I promise you. But, you know, in soccer, there's a whole ecosystem made up of what's called buying clubs and selling clubs. And in all honesty, everyone's a selling club with the exception of like four or six clubs. It's just, you know, who they're buying from. Ultimate, you know, Madrid, United, PSG, Man City, whoever you want to add to that list. But... That's part of the ecosystem as well. And it's also beneficial to the club. For example, like there's a club in Germany called Borussia Dortmund. They've, I don't want to say they perfected the model, but they're as good as anybody at buying a player for 10 and selling them for 92 years later, which guess what? Gives you the money to go buy four or five more players. I mean, that is, that is part of the ecosystem. And as a fan, you don't necessarily just get your heart ripped out after this guy leaves because you know, that the money that's popped into your club is what's going to be there to propel you moving forward. So I know there's the European soccer analogy made. It's a little bit different because of the, you know, you actually get something you're not Mississippi state who just gets their defensive end plugged so that he can go play at Alabama or Ohio state or whatever. That's, you know, part of the lifeblood of the clubs as they develop talent with the acknowledgement that ultimately if they create a superstar, Probably not going to be on their roster for too long before they go to one of the absolute mega clubs. So, right.
1: And the reason they get compensation for this as well is that they were already paying these guys. This is why people are like, why don't you? Okay. If you transfer, you should have to give compensation. Like, well, you're not going to give compensation back if you weren't getting compensation in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I again, I do not actually think that the current structure we have is a good thing if it's going to last forever. I actually think the extreme nature of the structure that we have right now is probably a good thing in that I do believe it will lead to sped up necessary change, yep. right? Like if you, it, it's the whole kind of frog in the pot thing, right? This is not that. This is like being thrown into boiling water. And if that happens, you're going to jump out and, and try to do something about it and i think that's what they will not the whole like hey we're going to sanction schools type, type type crap i'm talking about like you'll actually be like oh you know what nah, we probably screwed up you know doing nothing like granted they may say hey we made the right move the last 50 years cuz we got to hoard all our cash right <laughs> you know but right. um i i think we'll have some important changes i also think that there will be more of a leveling of the playing field if and when we go to maybe a 50 or 60 team field that's not to say that everybody will be even but i do think you will have some safeguards guardrails and sort of some like minimum standards and whatnot uh, and that's probably a way that you do get to rip up some tv contracts and things
0: yeah
1: is if you have a reorganiz- reorganiz- you know, I reorganizing of divisions um that's that's probably they're out there and that's where i think this is probably going
0: So we'll take a second to thank our friend Matt Lewis at Congruity. In the last podcast, I talked about how many just fantastic, and I get a kick out of how many people message me. Hey, I contacted Shannon, and then I'm about to call Chad for payroll, or I'm about to call uh, Matt Lewis for payroll, or whatever it is. And then we got a DM from our friend over there at uh, Select Shades. Jonathan Brimer said, "I've already done my work with Congruity, but y'all better get me a shirt ready to, to work with Chad." Uh so it's wonderful kind of the synchronicity that we've been able to uh have with sponsors and Matt Lewis it's just worked out you know as well as we could ever hope for. Matt's a great guy I've become a good friend of mine uh over the years and somebody that I've continued to work with in various projects and uh if you've got 10 minutes and you have questions about HR payroll or any other uh thing that as a business leader would allow you to focus on your business sales uh, the things that uh, actually dictate whether or not a business is successful. Uh, maybe Matt and his team can help you with some of the other things that can be, uh, you know, obstructions in that process. Give him a call. Fantastic guy. Uh, great team to work with as we can attest to CongruityHR.com HR.com is the website. As I'm fond of saying, if you ever wish to reach out to me um, to make a third party introduction, I'm more than happy to do so. This is probably not the greatest time to uh, announce or not announce this, but comment about this 48 minutes into the podcast. But I do want to say uh, that the Nolcast has a LinkedIn page now. If you have an interest there uh, to give us a follow, you know, we'll announce maybe new sponsorships, stuff like that there, um, and continue to have another place of interaction with a little bit more of a, the business community that has uh, popped up within this podcast. So just another option, if you wish to get involved, uh, Nolcast on LinkedIn has a little page there and we'd love to interact with you.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, Who do we have? uh, Who do we have next year?
0: Let's see. So Lee says, I don't have high hopes for, but what if scenario here, we get a wide, we get a wide receiver play that is average to slightly above average and offensive line play that is average. Jake and Jordan Travis is able to average 250 yards passing and gets around uh, in the ground game gets around 150 to 175 yards per game. And the defense is close to what it was at the back end of the season. If all those things are present, how likely is it that Florida State wins six to seven games? Uh, yeah, Lee, if you get all those things, I think the question's more, you know, eight, and is there, does a ball break fortunate, and maybe you could flirt with nine or something, but if yeah, all the things that you listed are there, then that's the absolute top of whatever this roster ceiling is. I mean, look, if, if Jordan Travis averages,
1: averages 250 mm-hmm. yards a game, yeah, in conference passing the ball
0: and it'll almost be a two multiplier of what he averaged last year but yeah, you're
1: winning the conference (laughs) like i I mean Mm -hmm. and uh, well okay I, i shouldn't say that clemson's defense will still be unreal i cannot like in a vacuum if clemson doesn't improve quite a bit at quarterback play and you know offensive coaching uh but dude yeah if you average 250 yards passing given Jordan's legs, assuming that like he still rushes the ball. Well, Uh I mean, that would put you last year, fifth in the league behind Brennan Armstrong, Tyler Van Dyke, Kenny Pickett, Sam Hartman, and Devin Leary, all of whom I'm confident will be drafted. And one of them actually was drafted. Sam Howell last year in conference play, uh only averaged 240 yards passing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, if, if you get 250 yards passing a game, Jordan Travis, assuming he actually stays healthy and plays 12 games, and the defense, as you said, plays anywhere close to what it was at the end of last year, I think you are probably the favorite to win the conference, if that happens. Again, I don't think that's going to happen, so that's why you're not the favorite to win the league. Um, by the way, I will mention this. I don't know if you've been following the summer school series I'm doing where I'm talking to all, all these individual teams. Uh Late news last night, NC State actually got back a kid who was not able to practice in spring ball because they thought his eligibility was done. Uh, but he's actually their best run blocker. Uh yeah. and the NCAA said that the injury he suffered at his FCS school in his first year actually does qualify him for a sixth year. So um yeah, even more good news for, for an yeah. NC State team that I I think that's the hardest game on the schedule, by the way. Hmm. I really do. Um okay. They were already good last year, and they've crushed you every time you face them under Norvell so far, pretty much. And they are getting both those linebackers back who, get, who went down early in the year. So yep. anyway, um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, Lee, I like the optimism, and I was actually just in Nashville. Uh, I go to Nashville about every six weeks now for work. So um, I will, I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll grab a drink
0: how is Florida state in receiver which Florida and with multiple four stars in the portal and they have not replaced Wright. uh, assuming he doesn't have some kind of speedy recovery is Dugans this bad at closing the deal is Mike going to help in, uh, is Mike going to step in and help recruit certain positions as well. Um, ultimately this is just a question that Brad asked how the wide receiver position is handled. And, um, if that's the position that could have him land on the hot seat,
1: Um, well, I first of all, Mike, Mike Norvell is not going to be on the hot seat this year. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm confident in that. Uh, that they just, they have, they have bigger fish to fry in terms of things they're trying to get done, and more transition is not, not the necessary uh, step here, um, because it could lead to a prolonged step back. Uh, even if you don't think we're going in the right direction, I still think common sense says don't blow the thing up yet again after it's just not a smart idea all right um so they brought in four receivers in the transfer portal they're an offense that doesn't throw the ball very much when they do they don't throw it all that well okay they don't really have much much as far as like nfl talented quarterback throwing the ball jordan travis is a i think very good college quarterback i don't think he has a shot to make the like to get drafted as a qb in the NFL unless something really. I don't even need to entertain that. I, 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 No, I'm a pretty big Jordan Travis fan as a college player. I don't think he can be an NFL guy as a QB, period. Um, So why would you come here? Like the right thing, okay, but they already signed four receivers in the portal. They already return a decent number of receivers from last year. You're not going to be going to an offense that throws the ball that well or that frequently. Um, yeah, I think Dugans has been disappointing in recruiting. There's no doubt. I think you're a little crazy to to suggest that Norvell is not trying to help him, you know, help him out as well. Like, they Mm -hmm. definitely are. They're just, they don't have much juice right now. Like, there's no, kids aren't talking about Florida State, you know?
0: Um. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I mean, wide receiver is a source of frustration for everybody. Uh, I get it, Brad, and I agree with you on a lot of it. Blake says, how's Florida State doing currently recruiting players in Florida? When Norvell was hired, one of the downsides was his lack of relationships in the state. Now that COVID restrictions have been lifted, are Norvell and Co. still able to build relationships with high school coaches uh, in state? Uh, do they have the time or ability to do so at this case? Um, I
1: mean, they're, they're trying. They just have a lot
0: less juice on the trail right now than the two guys who are new. I mean, that's what these mega camps are, y'all. That's not really a, a plan to get a whole lot of kids that you get on your roster. It's a plan to see kids maybe run across a ninth grader or a tenth grader or something like that and develop a relationship. But really, it's more a networking event with coaches and just trying to establish relationships. Um, so, yeah, still work to do. And as you're fond of saying, there's two other guys in the state with a, a new car smell right now, and it's going to be a challenge. So... Um, All right. Final question. Grant asks, is the recently announced Rising Spear and Warpath merger a continued step for Florida State becoming a legitimate player in the NIL space? I'll give my opinion. I'll I'll let you have yours, certainly. But yeah, I think it's great. I do think from, I don't know from the inception, but from my conversations with some of the guy Rising Spear, I mean, I think they were open to this, to maybe uh, having some kind of merger and, maybe having warpath focus and kind of cultivate that micro donation uh base and um you know micro donations could be massive if uh handled and and you know brought about in the right way you can certainly look at some political campaigns that have done miraculously well off small donations uh, so yeah i think it's nothing but a good thing um I, I there's other people in the space i'm all for it um everybody that's got a good intention you know I, uh, I'm all all about it, but I do think these two merging will help to give a little bit of clarity, and uh, I think it's only a good thing for Florida state i I agree with you on that. Um, I don't think you want to have multiple
1: collectives. Uh, ultimately, it's just not how do I say this um, in in a perfect world, the schools would want to control this, right? but they can't due to Florida law and due to laws in in many states. The alternative is having like one collective that is pretty well organized. I think a lesser alternative is to have multiple collectives who may not be in lockstep. In some cases, may be competing uh, with each other and have different goals. It can lead to brand confusion. It could also lead to... uh, in theory, like if, if it's pay for play, you know, which I'm not saying it is, of course. Um, in theory, like over committing to one player and un- under committing to another player because the, you know, the A is not talking to B. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think this makes a lot, of, a lot of sense for them to do this. It also is in terms of like, hey, what sort of things are you offering people who are more at that 5 10 $20 donation level? Uh, that's something that uh, Warpath was already um, attempting to do.
0: think it's a good thing i was uh, excited to see it and um you know florida state's got some challenges not everything's perfect on the nil front but they're the house is in much better order uh than it was certainly um four or five months ago and you know trending positive there so um all right brother pretty much right here at an hour uh enjoyed it as always look forward to getting back uh next week maybe first of uh, the week following depending on What news is available? We stay in kind of a week to 10-day rotation here during the summer. Never want to force a show, but uh, we won't be all that long without uh, touching base with you, the listener. Again, want to thank you, as always, for the support that we've gotten. The idea that we're the best college sports podcast in the world, at least according to one person, is pretty freaking wild. And uh, whether it be uh, rating on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcast or whatever they're calling themselves now, know that it's greatly appreciated by Bud and I. And uh, you guys are what have given us a what a twelve year longevity of doing this or however long it's been. So till next time, this is the Nullcast.